Welcome to the Messy and Glorious podcast, turning the light on real and raw stories of everyday people. Listen as Sam and guests share what happens when you get curious, call out from the messy middle, embrace the lessons, grow a little wiser and uncover your glorious self on the other side. I'm your host, Sam Osbiston, a writer, mentor, teacher and author. A guide, I guide curious humans to explore their lives courageously through my Inky Adventures in a bid to help them dip into their creative muse, heal, soothe mind, body and soul for a simple yet magical life. Mostly I'm passionate about your voices and how if you're vulnerable and brave enough to stand up and speak up, there will be less places for dark secrets to hide and more good people inspired to stand up in the world. Let's shine a light together on those dark places. With me today is Bindi Gordler. Uh, Bindi is a psychotherapist, trainer, speaker, author and co-founder of Innate anxiety freedom cards. Bindi's dream is to live in a world of people who live emotional healthy lives. Her passion is working with mothers at any stage of their motherhood experience to help them to bring out their gifts, their strengths and their wisdom. When Bindi works with you, real change can happen in your life, your family's lives and your communities. Bindi uses both her 40 years of experience and tools that she has developed to show how everything we do in life is in order to meet our human needs and how when we know how to use our internal guidance system, we can truly thrive. Hello and welcome, Bindi. I am so pleased to have you today. It feels like we've known each other forever and it's just amazing to be able to share you out in the world today. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for inviting me here, Sam. I'm really looking forward to our chat this morning. Yes, I am very much um, too. I'm hoping that we can delve into some of the work you've been doing but also like we'll, we'll start here and there and see where the conversation goes that'd be really cool so just for the listeners um can you give some insight Bindi as to how you arrived here at this time and place in the world doing what you do oh my goodness that's a 60 year story <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we've got a you've got a minute per, per year <laughs> I think it's interesting, isn't it, that the things that you uh, plan for in life aren't usually the things that make the big changes for you. It's often the circumstances that you find yourself in. Um, And how did I find myself here? Woo! Um, Basically, I I got married and had my children quite young. And um, foolishly, I hadn't really made any plans for that. And I found myself um, at home with children and not able to work because I was trained as a nurse and I couldn't do shift work. So it was sort of like, why didn't I see that coming? Um, But that's it. So it felt like I didn't have a choice, um, but I was at home with the children. Now, that was really good, but it was also really tough. Um, But then once the children got a bit older, I trained as a health visitor because that was something that I could go into as a nurse. And it's something I had actually been interested in from when I did my nurse training. Um, So I became a health visitor and it was a wonderful training in a way. It was challenging in many other ways, especially going back to work after 10 years and all the scariness that that involved. I mm, just, how could you go out to work after yeah. being at home and just being a mum? But the whole health vista training was really um, coaching for life, coaching for health and not mm. for illness. It was all about families. It was all about people of all different ages. 
um, and yet the actual jobs were mostly helping families with small children and um, the Children's Act came in and it got far more about child protection and far less about keeping families healthy and being aware of the public health, searching for health needs in the community and addressing them and community building. And that's what the key to health visiting was back in um, 1990, I think it was that I did that. <laughs> uh, so I worked as a health visitor, my kids grew up and they threw all sorts of problems at me as teenagers do. They do. Um, and yeah, I learned a lot, shall we say. And um, then I um, became a single mom and then a stepmother and all sorts of mothering went on in that. And um, then I was training as a psychotherapist because I really wanted to know how people's brains work as well as their bodies. So I did both psychotherapy and uh, nursing at one point and um, it's the whole mind-body connection so that really fascinates me and I've also worked as a parent specialist um, teaching parenting classes and teaching one-to-one -one parenting classes and that for various reasons didn't sit very well with me um, and so I came out of all that thought, I'm not going to do anything to do with parents anymore. I'm just going to be a psychotherapist and help whoever comes through my door. Um, but then there is that niggle, niggle, niggle that happens to us all. There is something that says, and I was talking to somebody and they said, but you're talking all about mothers. You're not talking about parenting. Yes. And that was when the shift happened. And so my work now is to support mothers. I am fascinated by brain development and see that we understand an awful lot about teenage brains, how our brains change and, and our bodies change clearly when we go through adolescence. And I came across this word called matrescence. Now it's been around for 30 years, but it isn't talked about very much. But that is the period that women go through when they become mothers. And that gives me, the matrescence word, just gives me a, a clear picture of what happens as a mother when you go through a metamorphosis. And I think it is, it's that changing and that scariness in the middle of change where you don't know what you're going to be. It's that caterpillar chrysalis butterfly thing. Yes, yes. Is that the adolescence and the matrescence are a sort of chrysalis time, a sort of, I think I know where I'm going, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I know you've got children yourself, Sam. So you will have been through this period more yes. than once. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's interesting. It's sort of like, because you don't actually ever go back to the beginning. It's like once you're an adult, you never go back to being a child. And you can be childlike and you can explore being childlike, but you can never be a child again. And once you become a mother, you can't be anything else but a mother. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. It's funny because um, Alfie, who's uh, eldest boy, <laughs> he's that going through that teenager stage where, you know, staying mm. up late and things is cool. Um, but our rooms are right next door. So, like, I can hear him if he's tapping on the keyboard or anything like that, you know, but he's not supposed to be doing at that time and that and I can't I, I once you hear something because I'm a bird like going to sleep is a no isn't it you get woken up really easily and and I do yeah I find 
you don't switch off to you from mothering yeah. and not yeah. only your own children completely and that's the brain one of the brain changes is you scan the environment much more quickly to pick up anything in your environment mm. that could be dangerous or that you need to be aware of for your children. Oh, that's interesting. So Let's dig into that a little bit more later. Yeah. Um, so before we go fully uh, venturing off into the motherhood um, journey, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Innate. Um, mm -hmm. And just tell me, yeah, just tell me a little bit more about how that came about. How did that sort of fit into this journey that you've been on? Okay, so the type of psychotherapy that I started, and I started training in it in 1997 and actually qualified in 2003, is called the human givens approach. And um, to me, it just made perfect sense when I started learning it. It says that as, as humans, it's a given that we all have, we're all born with the same internal resources, mm -hmm. the same capacity to make of life what we will but we're also born with the same needs. And so our resources within us are there to meet our needs out in the environment. And um, so that's two of the basic ideas of the human givens approach. So it's, it's a solution focused way of looking at things. So if somebody comes to me and they're troubled, I can quite quickly see which of their needs aren't being met whether they're using or misusing their resources mm -hmm. and help them quite quickly to sort of make some adjustments in order to get these needs met in a balanced way. Mm. Um, and my husband and I both trained as psychotherapists in the human givens approach. And we were thinking there are so many people depressed, anxious, addicted, angry, and it's just the way people go when their needs aren't being met yeah. or when they're not using their resources so some of us want to hide under the duvet we're the ones that are more likely to be depressed yet some of us worry about everyone everything and we're the ones that are more likely to get anxious so it's not as if these illnesses are coming from specifically different things it's the way that we as human organisms react to that okay so we used to be called Wiltshire Human Givens because we're down here in Wiltshire. Um, but it was a bit of a mouthful and people often thought we were talking about gibbons and not gibbons. <laughs> yeah, not quite, not quite. So they just look, you know, the glazed over look when people sort of try and work out what a human gibbon is. So yes, a few laughs about that one. Um, but we thought, Alec and I thought, um, what if we could actually help people to identify how they meet their own needs and how they use their own resources in order to not get so uh, in need of help from outside? Yeah. So we, we decided to call ourselves innate because we think it's innate that we have these needs and resources. Mm -hmm. We just think that's easier to understand than human givens. Uh, and it's um, spelt I-N and number eight just because we want to be all modern and <laughs> well, we did back then. Um, and so we, we produced this set of cards. We worked together. We had sort of some little models. We had toys and all sorts of things that we used to represent our needs uh, like the need for community, the need for food and drink, the need for security, uh, the need for achievement and attention and privacy, all of those. So we did used to have 
um, very simple cards and we had some sort of toys that helped um, with that. And then we developed the uh, innate cards, um, which we started producing six years ago and we've just had to go for a reprint. So we rebranded, worked out what we wanted to be. Uh, to do, and now we call them anxiety freedom cards. I'm very delightful. My pack, I received my pack yesterday actually, um, so I'm looking forward to bringing them into my work as well. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Good. So, so these would be uh, a useful tool for mums to use with yeah. kids and things. Um, yeah. And I think you have some helpful resources on your website don't you the videos and things yes definitely the the innate website i have two websites there's the bindi gauntlet one which is much more about motherhood and then there's the innate one which is much more about the anxiety freedom cards so um talking of alec uh, one thing i admire um is your partnership with alec and so just going a little bit off here how do you maintain the challenge of working and living together in a healthy way like what's your secret and I'm not saying so. I'm like, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm naive and it's all raises and, and um, there aren't any thorns. But, you know, I just I just really admire that relationship you have from, from what I've seen. Um, you know, you, you work together and obviously you have a, a, an in-life partnership as well. So mm. how, how do you get through that? Um, I think we're quite fond of each other, really. Uh, that definitely helps a lot. <laughs> it does, it does. Yeah. Um, when we first got together, we weren't living in the same town. And uh, it, we actually met in Spain, which is dead romantic, really. Um, but he, I was living in Yorkshire and he was in Oxford. And we both had teenage kids. And we were, we were doing our best to bring them up. Um, and so when we actually did move in together, we moved in with four teenagers, which was quite an interesting way. So, and I, there's part of me that thinks you learn a lot <laughs> from, from that. So um, that's really important to us. But we actually use the uh, human givens goggles or the innate goggles to look at what we're doing with our lives. And um, one of the, best questions and we teach this to almost anybody that'll listen is to say what do you need right now oh yes because yeah. that means that what in, in effect people sort of take a step back and they go into their observing self and they think what is it i need and it's it it's a real calming influence to, to think what is it I need because if you're worried about your partner you're often sort of saying can I make you a cup of tea or why don't you just go for a walk yeah. or how about you do this or you need to do that or you need to do that whereas if you say I need this um, then it's very different and mm. you know I've been teaching that for years with children to tell your children I need a rest right now for yeah. five minutes rather than could you just be quiet <laughs> you know because it just <laughs> definitely that is so important how I, I think I I think about how I open my mouth a lot <laughs> when I'm talking to the kids in particular because mm. I'm like I think I'm so conscious of how much we imprint on our kids as they're growing up and and obviously how that forms limiting beliefs as well as I'm sure very positive beliefs um but just yeah I, I really consider how I put my words together when I'm talking to them especially if I'm stressed it's like 
and we just need to breathe now right, right now <laughs> <Just give me laughs> <a breather. laughs> you need to be alone <laughs> I love the way you say that, Sam. I've worked a lot with midwives and I think there is this, that when you sort of do this, well, we just need this right now. It's like a midwife when she's just seeing a sort of disaster and she needs all the help she can get from the other professional. She said, could you just come in here a moment? <laughs> and it's just like, it sounds like it's just a very easy, you know, put the other hand here. Yeah, I think you don't want to, sound alarm do you it's like you know it's like yeah there might be a crisis right now but let's keep everything calm i think that's yeah. one of our jobs you know to, yeah. to try and to try and do that yeah. even though we might be going crazy inside we kind of like have this essence of calm <laughs> Not of yeah. and I, I think that really comes with motherhood because we have this ability if we choose to practice it mm. to actually stay calm in incredibly difficult situations and it does mean it's you know you do change when you become a mum and you're able to sort of think what is the big picture here and you maybe don't get so upset about some things but you get inordinately passionate about others yeah um and and i think that's really interesting and just saying that as a brain thing um I feel I'm going through the same because I'm sort of well on my way through menopause and I think I don't care about some things but I care far more passionately about others. Yeah, I think you can clear out the the waste the time wasters can't you in your life because you, yes. you know you need to prioritize because what's important is, is obviously the kids and then yourself or, you know both in whichever order. <laughs> 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 and know what you might be pulled up there, Sam. Yeah, I might, I might be pulled up there. And um, you know, the, the um, you, you get to a point in life, I think, and I, yeah, and I think motherhood probably plays a massive part in that, like, where you know what is important and what you want to fight for or protect or or be passionate about, and and what is not worth your time and is just noise in your life. Um, definitely. And yeah, I, 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 um, menopause. That's that's kind of, I, th I think it's because a lot of the people I hang around with, obviously, all we're all very similar age, and everything's just menopause at the moment. It's crazy, and I, yeah, it's um, it, we might we might venture back into that after uh, if we get there. And so, I just wanted to say, and um, okay, so. I was looking at your website and I love how you've reworked the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, and you've put it as it takes a village to raise a mother. How did you get to that viewpoint and what does it mean to you? Um, I, I did a course recently, I, I would like to say it was all my own idea, and sometimes I, I feel I do have so many ideas and then I think, where did that come from? It's not completely mine. Um, but that came from Julia Jones and I did a course on becoming a postnatal doula and she um, suggests ways of looking at old cultures um, and so our ancestors how did they um, manage around birth okay. and very much um, there was a lot more um, support from the people in the village or the people in the family to um, provide the best time for the mum to spend that first three months um, becoming a mum 
feeding, managing sleep, being fed by others. Oh. And so I think that um, there's a lot about new mums nowadays uh, trying to build their communities, you know, the NCT groups yeah. and uh, things like that. And I think we need to be building villages around these young mums mm. because, you know, you just said you're mixing with a lot of people your age. This is not something that we've done for many millennia. We've always had very mixed age groups yeah. in our circles. And I think the, the whole sort of education system takes you through being with your year group and then, you know, with your student group, your early working years your clubbing you know there's all sorts of things that keep us very much age segmented yes. and what i think is if we can actually support mums because so many grannies are working these days whereas when i was little there were an awful lot of grannies that did childcare. i was gonna say i was looked after by grandparents a lot of the time but i we don't have any family around us so we don't we haven't had any childcare or support or you know people are on the end of the phone but there's no one actually physically there so yeah so we when I had Iron who is our youngest I was really poorly and um it was it was a real horrific affair <laughs> and um that we we managed to call on friends and family like friends and and what we consider as family but there wasn't there wasn't a regular constant support network there so it, it changed and and caused quite a lot of upheaval and you know um for for Jolton as well because you know it's not seen um even in today's you know society that men can have time off work to to step in either mm. um yeah. so it's yeah it, it does need it needs a massive reframe to look back and see how we used to do it i, I definitely believe that yeah. beauty is so because the importance is looking after the children but if we can look after the mums and yes i do you know i'm not saying that fathers don't play a really important part no. but it, it's the mothers that i work with yeah. um and if we support them to know what they need and not to feel blamed and shamed and all the sorts of things that that new mums tend to feel that they can feel supported and that it's okay to ask for help and if the neighbor says i'm just going into town do you want anything from the shops say yes yeah you know think of something yeah. because actually people do want to help but it's how we we rebuild villages in our very sort of fragmented um family fragmented lives um because so many of us don't live near family and even yeah. if we do they're working yes yeah very much um so if we if we look at motherhood in in, in your experience about your journey um what key things stand out for you that has enabled you to help mums what what do you think the skills you've learned as a mother have, have allowed you to be able to do I think what's probably happened is I, I had my children and then I did a lot of theory on children raising and realized how much I'd got wrong so far, um, which I say very tongue in cheek. But yes, there are so many different ways. And this idea that there's a right and a wrong way to bring up children. And I think there is no right and no wrong way. 
But to me, if you understand what you need as a human being to thrive in the world, if mothers know that, how to look after themselves really well, then it will be natural for them to be able to look after their children and to help their children look after themselves. So I don't believe in parenting. I think parenting is, it's like, I don't do wifing. I don't do sistering. I don't do friending. You know, it's sort of parenting is like you're you're doing a relationship in order to change somebody else or change their behaviour. You fell out, well, not fell out, but you know, you stopped doing the parent classes because I always think, and I know a lot of people who, who do classes that may not even be, a mum or a dad or whatever it's mm. like it, it's a bit I don't know I'm not going to I'm going to use this word because it's coming to my head is it a bit farcical or is that too strong a word um I think it's asking somebody to give something to somebody else when they haven't got it okay is a really hard thing to do so when your child is driving you mad and you say calmly there are some logical consequences to this behavior that just doesn't happen in real life. No. Because another big tenet of the human givens approach is that when we're emotionally aroused, we are functionally stupid. Yeah? <laughs> totally. And I guess completely. And I and I I think I, I think now right, if someone's really angry in the household or you know, they're having a mm. moment, and um, so said teenager, then just let them have that moment. Yeah. there's there's very little that you can do yeah, they're, they're deaf they're, you know, they're whatever you try yeah you, know. you need to come back later and discuss and ask what, what was going on or you know like yeah. you say what do you need what, what do you need what did you need at that point before that yeah. happened yeah. or what do you need now yeah. and then work yeah. back once they once they're feeling a bit better and they're able to much more able to talk but it, it you know we see it with two-year-old behavior if there is no point reasoning with a two-year-old that's having a tantrum in the shop. You either just stay with them or you pick them up and you walk out. You know, there yeah. is no, there's no sort of, I said you couldn't have those sweeties and, you know, don't you listen, you'd never have. You know, it doesn't work and it doesn't work with us at any age or stage in our life. Once we've just blown our, you know, flipped our lid, there is no rational in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because there is a part of our brain that is trying to keep us safe and sometimes it, it just goes a bit wrong um, and that's <laughs> our, our limbic system is just shut off the thinking brain I need to save your life and I need to get out of this dangerous situation yeah and if it's being denied food even if it's chocolate by your mother um, then sometimes this part of your brain goes <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I'm not understood everybody hates me completely I, yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I can't remember what the question I was. was asking about if there was anything key from your journey, your motherhood journey, that you feel that you have learned that that guides you in your work. Mm. I think probably it's being a mother is the biggest thing that guides mm-hmm. me in the work, and being able to see what I got wrong, and there is plenty of that, and. But being able to see what I got right and being able to look back now and think if only I'd had support at that time, if only I'd had somebody else that understands. So I was sort of quite a practical person. So having a tiny baby wasn't that hard for me. 
But when I look back on it, I was pretty much single parenting because my husband was working sort of 70 hours a week and, you know, every other weekend. Um, so I look back at that and I think, oh, my goodness, that little person living in a new area didn't have any um, community, didn't have very few friends. Those that did were working shifts, so I never knew when they were around. Uh, way before mobile phones or texting or any of that sort of social networking that we do now. Um, and I actually got through that. But what was hardest for me was that uh, my daughter hit teenage years young, before a lot of my friends' children. So I had children first, basically. So my daughter was sort of plowing the way as, as a teenager. And I didn't have anyone to turn to to say, what is normal teenage behavior and what needs some other help? Yeah. And she did actually need other help, um, but it was really hard to get hold of. And it just felt like, um, it felt really tough. And I looked for books because that was, there was no Google. I looked for <laughs> books on bringing up teenagers and there was one or two, you know, they were very few and far between. And um, the one book that I actually bought was called, Now I Know Why Tigers Eat Their Young. <laughs> I can't really remember the contents of the book, but I thought it was a great title. And I thought if ever I write a book about my experience of being a mother of a teenager, um, I would call it Holding the Tiger by the Tail, because it yeah. just felt like I was running along next to her, trying to keep up, knowing that she might turn and bite me at any minute. <laughs> you know, coming at me um, but I just wanted to be there running alongside her because I didn't want her to go off on her own yeah, and I think that sense of isolation probably is what's driven me all the way through and now I am really wanting to make a difference for mums and build villages around mums that's my passion that's what's driving me yeah, and do you think um, social media is is more of a hindrance these days, or do you think it's a help for mums on their own? And social media, and I, I mean Google as well. Do you think that's like a way of finding support, or think that it can just panic them more? Mm. I think if, if we go back to the anxiety freedom cards, the innate cards, um, and look at how people's needs are being met, um, that sort of answers it. Because yes. there, are, there are 12 needs, and I'll just go through them here. Uh, there's food and drink, movement, sleep, security, attention, emotional connection, control, achievement, respect, community, meaning and purpose and privacy so they are all our needs when they are met in balance we thrive and quite often as a new mum you change your whole life you change your social groups you change your exercise you change your sleep times and everything so it takes a while to get back into balance to get those needs met now i think quite often um social media can get those needs met so you feel safe because you're doing it from your own home you've got attention you've got friends on there you've got control of what you do you've got a sense of achievement if you get likes mm -hmm. you get respect you likes again 
you're part of a community, uh, there's some meaning and purpose. It might be a you know young mums group or something. Yeah. And of course you've got privacy because you can think your own uh, your own thoughts there. So you do get your needs met within social media. So that's a good thing. Okay. But if it's the only place that you're getting them met, then it's a really bad thing because you get all those needs met in gangs. If that's the only place you get your needs met, you will be in a gang. And for parents, they tend to get cross and do all that grounding stuff. Whereas if they help their children get their needs met at home or in their communities, in their families, in other ways, then there would be a pullback from the gangs to keep those children connected into other healthy behaviours. Mm -hmm. So social media does have a place. And, you know, I think looking back at me as an isolated young mum, I think it would have been wonderful to have been able to keep in touch with family and, and friends more easily. Um, but also being a grandmother and seeing a lot of young mums at this stage, they are reaching out to Google as their village okay. because Google has all the new latest ways of bringing up children. So in a way, there's a lot of dismissal about the fact that they're actually reinventing the wheel and that they are going through all of the same things that mothers have been through for, you know, hundreds of generations. Mm but just having different resources in which to, to, to meet those needs. So yeah, it, both social media and Google are good, but they have their place. And we all know that if you get a pain in your leg, you shouldn't Google it. You know, <laughs> yeah, you end up with like, yeah, you lost your leg or something. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's actually there Google. where you use the resources that we talk about in the anxiety freedom cards. There's a bit of rational thinking, but sometimes our imaginations can go off on huge catastrophizing. That's imagination is a resource. And it's important to sort of remember how you've, coped with something before perhaps rather than just looking up the latest it's also thinking how would my friend or my mum or my sister do this yeah and that's rapport that's another resource that we have so it's, it's being able to use all your resources and not just I suppose we maybe ought to put google as another resource okay <clears throat> so I really want to look at now how there's a lot of um turmoil going on in the world and there's, there's, there's a real sense of change though as well and I, I wondered how you thought mothers play a role in how we influence the change in the world um, and how we we almost change the view of motherhood itself because it, it's been derailed by society and it's often looked at as a secondary role in, in any place it's not valued as it should be in Western society, um, because I think we have massive benefit as, as mothers to the world and how we change it. Um, do you think? How do you feel about that? What do you think? What role do you think we play in society and in how we influence the change in the world? Whoa! Yeah, I know. I learn, like to ask yeah. these big questions. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I I love the big questions because, in a way, some people think that I'm just here to help new mums cope with new babies. No, 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 no. I am here to bring up the motherhood energy. I think motherhood is really important. I think when, um, well, 
for all sorts of reasons, over thousands of years, uh, women and mothers have been less than. And I think in my lifetime, definitely, women have been saying we're as good as men. And I don't think that's a very good argument. So I never sort of joined any kind of feminist uh, movement because I feel that we are different. And in a way where men might be strong, we might be powerful. It's just a different energy to it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I look at some politicians these days and I think, what on earth would your mother say? You know, and it's mm. just, we all know what that mother energy is, that ability to just say, enough. Now, please say sorry. Mm. You know, and it is, it's how we bring that to say, we're not going to blame or shame our children but we are going to help them to um, be good human beings. I think mothers are community builders as well. And I think it's, that's where motherhood should really come into its own. That not only are mothers of my age and mothers older than me, uh, we are still mothers, but we can build community. If you have more than one child, um, you, you start to understand how you can love people who are totally different and totally accept them for who they are. With your first child, you often think, oh, this is the perfect child, you know, lovely in so many ways, um, or maybe not. But anyway, you sort of think, I couldn't love another child as much. Mm -hmm. um, but most often you do. And for the mums that don't feel that, we need to be helping them. Mm. We don't need to be blaming and shaming them, but we need to accept um, that they are all different. Do you think we don't reach out, though, because we have this, you know, feeling of, of we have to just get on and do it and we, don't, we can't reach out. If we reach out, we'll look like we're not coping or we look like motherhood is failing or do you think that's that's something that we think about as mothers? I think so I think there's so much sort of shame and blame and quite often it's it comes at ourselves uh Brenny Brown's done a lot on shame and I'm sure you know about that no, it's uh, here. <laughs> she's wonderful isn't she and I think I used to say many years ago that when a baby was born, you, you give birth to the baby and then the placenta and then this big, huge package of guilt comes afterwards and you carry that around with you. And I think that the difference between guilt and shame is a really important one because I think, yes, we can feel guilty for things we've done wrong, but we shouldn't feel shame. Oh, completely. And I, 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 I know that, that feeling, that shameful feeling of you know, how we give birth, how we breastfeed, how we, you know, tell our children off or, you know, discipline, mm. whatever you want to call it, you know, even that is like, it, it, it's constant, isn't it? It's a constant, oh, I'm not doing that right. It's not, you know, it's not nanny nine one one or whatever it is. It's like, we're just constantly, yeah, um, berating ourselves about what comes out of our mouths and how we've done something and living with the the possibility that we've completely destroyed our child as they grow up mm. you know I kind of like realize that now mine are older that 
not necessarily the case <laughs> but it's like you're, you're constantly feeling like you're not enough like you know this is this is this is not the way to do it I'm gonna you know, be looked bad and, and that's why I think we need to be mothering mothers but I think so many young mums are fearful of reaching out and um I think that's where Google does cause problems is because it sort of ri ridicules old practices mm. um, like putting children out, putting babies outside in the garden in their pram to have a sleep. It's just, you know, why would you ever do that? You know, babies will be stolen. Well, I was lucky enough or unlucky enough to live in an era where my kids were in prams and I left them outside the shops when I went into I was just shops. about to say god Joe <laughs> you would do that they had steps and things and so if they cried somebody would talk to them whereas now if I talk to a baby that's crying in the pram even if mum's holding the pram is it's very difficult for me as an older woman just to talk to um families with children because quite often I think that the mums feel that they're being judged yeah 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 and I, I kind yeah I kind of get that sometimes I feel like you know like we were talking before about the toddler screaming on the floor and, and I sometimes I just give a I hope a, a nice smile yeah. to say like yeah. I really know what you're going through right now and you're yeah. doing fine or sometimes I just say it's okay you're doing great I will say it out loud like yeah. it's okay you're doing a really good job <laughs> it's okay do you yeah. know what I mean? it's like because I feel like I want to I want to reach out but yeah it's that it is that line between am I interfering or am I going to make them feel worse for noticing that they're having a moment yeah and it sometimes it feels like you might just lift lift a lid off something that might completely blow and then you're there with both the mum and the child yeah, and and I, don't know them, I think personally, I'd be totally cool with that if someone broke down, you know, needed yeah. <laughs> me as a shoulder, that would be fine. But I think some of us are wouldn't yeah. know how yeah. to deal with that, um, mm. just because of the way we've we've been, um, you know, formed by society into not, and especially in the UK, so prudish and and keep everything, you know, hidden away. That I think. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't know how to show our emotions very well or, or to accept other people's emotions and and deal with them yeah. um yeah. yeah yeah and then to be able to follow through with that and go out for you know take them for a cup of tea or yeah. something just yeah. to be really lovely yeah something that got me really cross recently was this um law against smacking in scotland and i just think you know criminalizing parents and getting our police to be hunting down the criminals that have smacked their children and spending all that time doesn't feel to me like a, a motherish way of actually ensuring that our children are kept safe yeah and i'm not saying smacking is great um but i think there are very few people who can say i've never smacked my child or pushed them or screamed at them or called them names or you know and and all of those can be just as damaging. And I think what we need to do is to help people not legislate against some of their behaviours because mums will only smack if they're feeling that they and have no other option. You just, you, you, you've got breaking point, haven't you? And I think we, we'd be better spend our resources in supporting mothers, supporting people who, who need 
um, who need their needs met, you know, than wasting time policing, you know, let's support instead of, instead of the policing side, I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yes. Um, So tell me um, a bit more about your work. So how do you support mothers? What kind of things can they do with you? so, so mothers can come to me uh, for one-to-one sort of coaching and mentoring at whatever stage they're at of their motherhood. So it could be that they're new mums, but it, <clears throat> it could well be that they're going through difficult times in their life, whether it's illness, divorce, bereavement, um, or whether they're just really struggling with their children as teenagers or, you know, stuff that their children are going through. So any time that they want, like, a mentor, somebody who can just say, yeah, I know what you're going through. And these are some ways that you can feel better and you can help your family feel better. And I take um, the, um, I, I know we've had many conversations <laughs> when I've been talking about the kids in some shape or form. And uh, I know you spent time with Ellie as well, because she's obviously really interested in, um, in what you do and the human givens and how that could help her work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would really, um, say to anybody um who is you know um feels like they're struggling with motherhood to to have a chat with you and um coffee and just see see where it goes because i'm sure that um whoever sits with you will realize that how much you can help and um, what else do you, what do you say so you do one to one what else um the, the, the big thing that, that's coming out from my work, I'm, I'm doing it mostly through Facebook, um, but I am wanting to build online communities of people who work with mothers. Okay. So that is in all sorts of ways. So it can be doulas and midwives at, at the beginning, but it can also be counsellors and therapists. It can be people who work in the parenting field and actually wanting to support mums but it can also be people just with life experience that they would like to be part of the village Mm. and the village as I I see it would have lots of different buildings in although this is all virtual Uh, there would be a library so there would be a place where people can sort of go to for resources for information about different aspects of motherhood and community building there will be a a temple i call it a temple even though we're in britain um because it will be a place where people could get their spiritual needs met and Mm -hmm. to sort of see the bigger picture of of what it is and where we're going there'd be schools colleges where we actually learn stuff um and would be teaching each other what we know it would be very much a sharing there'd be a cafe where we'd hang out and chat you know or there'd be a playground where we all play um so although these are virtual and it it's just my idea at the minute, but right now I am gathering people together. I'm getting in touch with people that I already know, but would love more people to get in touch with me. Um, and at the minute, my page on Facebook is Maternal Anxiety Solutions, but hopefully by the time this goes out, it'll be much more about making a difference for mothers. Yeah. And that is, yeah, there will be some mothers that just find their way in, onto the page or into the group, but more it is for people who really feel that we need to make a difference for mothers. Because I think once we do that, we'll get the mother 
call it the mother energy and and I am a little bit woo-woo and a bit spiritual at times but also I feel that it's that strength that we all know our ancestors have been blooming strong women Mm. Um, and it's it's sort of tapping into all that strength that when they've been looked after as mothers they've been able to bring up our ancestors and and us and not all mums are great a lot of mums struggle um and it's but if they get support they can help um but we also need to get rid of the the old psychotherapy ideas that blame an awful lot of stuff on your mother and how you weren't you know how she didn't breastfeed you or she did breastfeed you or you know something happened and that you're stuck in that oh I'll never change because my mother did this when I was one oh gosh yeah you can't yeah you can't do that you yeah you need to you need to move past whatever's going on for you and look at yourself and I think by doing that you somehow can heal the ancestral line it's I think if you make a decision to own that issue to own whatever's going on for you then I think it's very powerful definitely yeah Yeah. Um, one of the big things I do with mothers is uh, rewind for trauma because I think that can really underpin an awful lot of the anxiety depression and shame yeah I, I I've been I've done that that that's um like you know for my own experience um it's so powerful to be able to um go through that um because it can you know it can hinder your but the traumatic experiences i know you know when you have flashbacks and you have all sorts of other things going on that that trigger you um it's definitely um really important to get them seen and 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 acknowledged and and move through them yes And, and i really love your village um concept and and I think, you know, once people hear this, I think there'll be a lot of people who would want to get involved and, and also be a part of it, you know, for many reasons. I know I certainly would love to dip in and <laughs> be there, you know. I, Very happy to have you. I would hope that I would um, be a, of some support um, through my experiences. <laughs> um, I think through your experiences and through your library that you're developing with your podcasts as well. Yeah, yes. And that that is yeah why I do what we do because I, th- I feel like the stories we tell uh, are the you know the the information that people need so you know I yeah so I guess we're just it's just a different way isn't it of, mm-hmm. of uh, being that change in the world um my telling stories or, or or sharing your motherhood experiences and being a support yeah. um we can all um yeah Take away, so take away those hidden parts of the world that shouldn't, yeah, need to be seen. Yeah, and another thing about, uh, yes, so we could have a fire, a campfire in the middle of the village where we all share stories. Yes. There you are, Sam, there's your yeah. hangout place yeah. in our virtual village. Very much. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, um, talking of support, um, who inspires you, Bindi, and... Um, have you had any specific mentors um, that have had, you know, a, a direct, um, say some some impact in your life that you'd like to share? They can be, you know, um, one real real life ones that you've met, or they can be, you know, maybe somebody that you admire in the um, world of uh, psychotherapy or motherhood. Or... Mm. <coughs> 
Um, thinking about that, I think in the sort of the, the, the parent stuff, there's Dan Siegel. I really like his work. I've never met him. Um, Simon Sinek, I like, who helps you to identify your why, mm. because I think that's it. Um, Michelle Holmes, who helps you find your golden thread. In fact, she's supposed to be on. Is she? Yeah, she oh, I look forward to that one. She will be on. She's doing that mother practice again. Pin her down. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, all the, the voices of the strong, powerful women that are, are coming out. I, I think Oprah Winfrey, Brenny Brown, mm -hmm. um, Christiane Northrop. Um, all these people I aspire to meet. Um, but really, the other people are every single mum that I've ever had a conversation with because they've all got so much to share. Yeah, completely. So and my little granddaughter, who is a really good reason to be doing all this for, because I'd really like this to be a better place for her to grow up. And should she choose to be a mum, then I would love it to be in a beautiful world. Oh, yes. So that's, yeah. I think, yeah, doing it for the, doing it for the young ones, definitely. Um, so, is there anything in particular in store for Bundy in 2020? Um, definitely my village will be swinging into action um, and hopefully I will be talking more, people will be sharing these ideas. Um, I have a motherhood cloak that at the minute is uh, in Glastonbury that's and that's where I'm collecting messages um, for anything that that mums have learned or want to inspire others with. So they're just writing a few words and these words are being sewn onto the cloak. And I saw that. Yeah, going I further that. around the world next year. Amazing. I've seen a picture of it on your Facebook yeah. um, it's, oh, it's that. I just thought that was beautiful. And where's, where's that come from then? Is that, is that something that like, is done in tribes or is that something that you... This is just something that I thought of. Oh. I, I sort of think it was just something I decided to do um, because I just wanted to collect people's ideas. And I, I think it comes from craftivism uh, as well. I've got a friend, Helen Baker, who's um, doing some really good craftivism oh, work. Yes, she is, yeah. And um, I just think that getting people sitting and talking about motherhood. So I took it to a festival in the first place and um it was for us all just to sit on this cape and think about and talk about motherhood because it just really to get people talking about what motherhood means to them and to share the most fest wasn't it the festival it was a woman fest yes yeah yeah <clears throat> oh no i i just think that i made a note actually to bring it up and then i've, I've covered my note there. um but yeah that is like such a beautiful act to have that cloak and take that round and collect um yeah what, what I was in Canada earlier and I was sitting in a foyer in a hotel sewing um words on and just people just come and talk to you and say that's lovely and that is lovely. Do it. that is lovely yes I got yeah I'd love to yeah I'd love to add to that that'd be amazing um <clears throat> so last question which I ask everybody um, it's if you could shine a light within the world in any area of darkness, what would it be? Oh, I would just like to shine 
a light to um, to just say how important mothers are and how important it is that we support them to, to support the children that are coming into the world because we are all wanting the best for the next generation mm -hmm. and we've just got to find our way of showing that thank you Bindi that's been awesome thank you so much for sharing your journey of motherhood and you know how you can help um it's been wonderful speaking with you and i can't wait to share you in the world um thank you, so, so, so thank you so much for having me sam that's been really wonderful i love talking about my stuff and uh, let's all get talking yeah completely let's get talking um, if you um if you've heard any links in today's show um or anything i will make sure that everything you need is in the show notes including how you can get in touch with Bindi and um, where you can find her on social media um, and if there's anything else coming up that will also be in the show notes thank you for listening I look forward to seeing you next month in the podcast um, Messy and Glorious take care and keep shining your lights bye bye